0: This podcast does not replace a need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 177 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. I'm so happy that you've joined me. I have an exciting guest today. Dr. Sarah Smith of the chartingcoach.ca is here with me and we're going to talk about office efficiency. This is a big topic that impacts eating. It's one of the biggest stressors for the physicians in stress eating SOS that I work with, where things that happen during the day, where you feel inefficient during your day, where you get behind, where you get notes piling up, paperwork piling up, All of it can end up influencing your eating either during the day in that, you know, 3 p.m. kind of witching hour time or in the evening. And so working on feeling more in control of your day can have really profound impacts on your eating. Plus, bonus, makes your whole day better. All right, let's get going to the interview with Sarah. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. I'm so happy to have you back. How are you doing?
1: I'm well. Thank you, Siobhan. All right. For people who haven't met you, can you introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. So I'm Sarah Smith. I am a rural family physician in Alberta, and I'm also the charting coach. So I help physicians who are trying to get home with today's work done, charts closed, and have their evenings and weekends back. So I do that through the Charting Champions program. Yeah. Awesome.
0: And that's so like such important work. I really believe everything that you teach is stuff that we should have been taught as part of our training. How to actually be efficient in your office, which is what we're talking about, or efficient in your clinical care, getting the required paperwork and charting done so that it doesn't creep into your evenings and weekends, I think is like an essential skill that was missed. And so I luckily found you a few years ago. And so I've gotten better at not being charting at night and on the weekends, but man, there's a lot of people that need help with this stuff this kind of office management side. But what we're going to talk about today is how to be more efficient in your office. So for all the people listening who find they just get dragged down, they're constantly behind, there's always more requests, and they feel that that's really impacting their ability to get what needs to be done done. I want to hear your tips.
1: Yeah, fair enough. This is a common experience. So This is a background for myself. So when I started this whole process for myself, I was not always a great charter. Of course, this was my journey as well. So 15 years on the job. And you're exactly right. It feels like your clinical day is happening To you, that you have no control of it. Every request feels like the straw that broke the camel's back, and it happens multiple times a day. So, you may have just spent 25 minutes inside a room with a patient in a 15 minute appointment, and they hand you the form, and you just feel like your soul is being sucked from you. And I used to have sentences in my head like, There's another hour of my life gone. It just felt dreadful to be given this form at the end or to have that other request. So we would have quality improvement initiatives. Like we want you to now record whether they're a smoker, how many drinks per week, how much exercise your patients are doing. And yes, of course, it may not be a difficult ask, but it's something else. It's another thing. A lot of the chatter I'm hearing right now within the group's is the family physician being given the task of following up with their scan or do repeat blood work in X number of months or being copied on results. Those little pieces may not seem very much when it's coming from one person, but when it's multiple times a day, there's just this heaviness of I'm at the effect of everybody else. Everybody else is asking and taking from me. And that mental mindset is draining. And really sucks out energy throughout the day.
0: I've definitely been there where over the years of my practice, it feels like there have been changes in family medicine, which are meant to improve family practice and improve primary care. But every change that comes means an additional thing. And you can see, I think, as family doctors, we care about the patient. And I'm sure this happens in other specialties too. Like we're speaking from the family medicine side, because that's both of our experiences. But we care about providing really good care to the patient. But when everything that is supposed to enhance the care also takes that little chunk out of your day or that you know extra, even in the course of a day, extra clicks matter, right? A few more clicks to check off that something was actually looked at or whatever. It really feels like a lot of these initiatives come at the expense of us actually getting our days done. And it feels like the day has gotten more complex than like when I was first practicing where all I had to worry about was what did the patient want me to fix and did I fix it instead of thinking about like data collection and statistics and all the other things that we now have to think about.
1: Yeah, I agree. I also look after specialists and as in the non-family physician (laughs) specialist. And they are also having a whole lot of different demands on them as well. And I agree with you, the EMRs are not designed for physicians and getting physicians home. The, The EMRs are data collection points and things to tick off. So we're all having this collected experience of more and being asked more of us. So yeah, so this is part of what I love to do is help physicians understand what is the work of today, starting to identify what is physician work and what is non-physician work, and starting to set up an intentional clinical day where we can start to address what are the demands of today, what needs to be done so that you can get home and not have this extension of your clinical day that happens once the eating is done and the kids are in bed. Because then, just for everybody listening on this, And this is why I
0: bring you on, because that's when the other eating starts, (laughs) when you have your extension of your clinical day, or even just dreading knowing that you have to sit down and do notes. For a lot of people listening to this podcast, then you end up in the fridge, rummaging through the cupboards, just trying to avoid that, actually sitting down and spending your evening continuing to work.
1: Yeah, I think at the end of your day, your decision-making fatigue is high you're tired. You've made thousands of decisions all day. And so that experience of coming back to it at night, it feels like you need to drown it in something in order to get it done. Something that makes your brain feel less overwhelmed and dread. And something that gives you reward. Like That's something
0: I hear a lot from the physicians I work with because this comes up a ton. And that's why I get you to come coach inside Stress Eating SOS with us. But it's like, I need to reward myself before I sit down and do this thing I really don't want to do (laughs) that I have dreaded all night.
1: Dread, restlessness, yeah, agree, those common uncomfortable feelings that happen when it's time to, when you know you've got hours of work in front
0: of you. Yeah, and the problem is, and I say this with a lot of experience because I've done a lot of evening charting over my life or weekend charting, it's so much less efficient to, you know, that chart, that note that may have taken you, A minute or two to do, or that referral letter that you could have just banged off if you'd done it or been able to do it while you were seeing the patient in the evening, then takes like extra minutes because you have to reconnect your brain and re remember that one visit out of all the other ones that you've got stored up there. You know, making sure you didn't miss something or forget something, or you're staring at that encounter line and you're like, what was that? What did this patient see me for? Because I cannot remember anymore. (laughs) So true. All of I, remember, I
1: remember the days when I would have to ring the mother and say, what did I see Johnny for again?
0: <laughs> it's a week you later. I'm like doing that? the note. <laughs> I'm trying to write that referral letter and I can't remember exactly what I was going to refer for. Uh, I've done that. Yeah. So anybody listening who's done that or more, you're not alone. we
1: well, doing that. <laughs> yeah. You get it. You understand. All right. So how do we do this? what does it look like to start to make changes? And I think that the step one is to start considering our clinical day when we're not in it. So when we're not actually in the busyness of our day, but sitting back. So maybe while you're listening to this podcast or driving into work, thinking about how the clinical day runs and starting to decide if I wanted this differently, if I wanted to make a change, what would I desire for myself? How would I start to make changes that would make sense for my clinical day? And I know that when you're in the throes of that place where everything feels like it's happening to you, imagining something different is impossible. And I get that. So if we're not looking at having a result necessarily tomorrow. We're looking out a few weeks or a few months because many of you might have that experience of your appointment book is completely solidly booked for the next three months. You've got no idea how you're going to achieve this. But the problem is if we don't start thinking about it, it will never change. And you'll have that constant groundhog day experience where you feel like, hey, I noticed that every single day I have the same outcome at 6.30 at night. I'm still not home. I still have hours of chatting. Nothing's changed changing. So I think we need to start with the point of, do you want change? And if that's a resounding yes, then we start to imagine, well, what would I like? Starting to look ahead at saying, how would I design this for myself if it was up to me? And then starting to step towards that. And I love that. But I think sometimes that's
0: hard, especially when we've been in a box of like, this is what practicing clinically looks like to give yourself that permission to dream about what if it didn't have to look like this? What if it could look different? And I'm saying this in case anybody listening is like, it can't look different. It has to look like this. Know that that is okay that if it feels uncomfortable to first kind of crack open that box. But just asking yourself, if I could change it, what would I want to change it to is a fantastic first step. I think so powerful.
1: And it's hard work. Like, What would it be awesome to achieve? And I've had physicians just blank stare at me, say, I don't know what you mean. And that's okay. (laughs) What do I mean? I mean, what time would you actually like to leave the office? How close to time would you like to be running if you could? And so these questions can feel painful if you don't know, how am I going to get there? But the first step is the what is the destination? So when we're going to set our GPS, right? We need to know where are we going? So that we don't know how quite we're going to get there. There's multiple ways we could get there. But what are we aiming towards and stepping towards it? We know that if we take a left or a right turn and it's not quite the right way to the destination, we can make U-turns. We can go back and retrace our steps and go a different way. So when we start this process, we're okay with not getting it right the first time, not knowing exactly how to change things up so it's perfect for us. And that's okay. So... Just knowing what would I like to work towards? That is a powerful place to let your brain be so that you can start that resourceful thinking. On a practical level, we break up the day into that patient protected time where we're seeing patients and closing charts. And we've spoken about that on the podcast before. But then we've got everything else in our clinical day. So whether you're family med, whether you're a specialist, doesn't matter. You've got the patient time the charting and then we've got everything else starting to notice what is the everything else I think that a common experience is the inbox the work list the portals the messages all feel like things that are coming at you and are infinite and there's these sentences in our brain like where do I even start is the work ever done will I ever get out of here I don't know where to begin. Like those statements in our brain hurt us. I want you to start to answer some of them. Like how many hours a week do I need to finish this inbox? How long does it take me? What is the number that I'm looking after per day? So it actually starts to feel contained. So at least you know what that container looks like. And then we start strategies of planning out time so we can address that part of our today's work which is part of getting home is getting all of it done. And
0: I like that, especially for those things like the paperwork and the extra phone calls and things like that. We can be prone to kind of catastrophic thinking about it. And especially as we go further behind in our office, that catastrophic thinking can increase. So I really like that idea of
1: putting actual numbers on it. Yeah, just noticing first. Noticing how our clinical day is that, we're not utilising to our advantage and we're actually hurting ourselves with it. So for instance, those messages that come in through the day, if we're not getting to them till after the staff leave for the day, we're now doing a lot of the work that our staff could have handled during the day, but we haven't got to it in a timely fashion that they're actually able to do those phone calls for us or messages for us. And so now we're adding further jobs to our day by doing non-physician work just simply because of the way our workflow has happened to us during the day. So starting to be curious about the workflow and how I'm addressing it that's actually causing me further harm upstream. I think my tendency used to do my paperwork. And when I
0: say paperwork, it's like going through the computer labs and consults and everything. I used to do them at the end. Like it used to be like, okay, once I was done, then I would do that. And I've really shifted over the years of trying to just get it done. Even sometimes if that means I start seeing the patients a little bit late, but it's like what I find is then the staff can actually be phoning people and following up in the ways that I've asked them to. But also it's like this weight off my head. Like if I've done it all done first thing in the morning, it's one less thing that I then have to be like juggling in my brain. And I find that adjustment to the workflow to be quite helpful for me when I do it that way imperfection is a reality. So it doesn't always happen quite like that.
1: That's my goal. Yeah. So physicians know what the demands are for their day. So if they've got learners or residents, if they don't, if they've got lunch meetings, if they've got other administration duties like business manager, that's going to impact what available space you have in your day. But I want you starting to notice the available space and what would be the best thing to do with that? Physicians will often have that collected experience of, I need to be nice to the staff. I need to spend time talking with them. Otherwise, I think I'm, you know, a bitch or I'm not talking with them or they're ignoring me. So they are giving away valuable minutes in their day with this type of thinking. However, we know what the demands are for your day. And we know exactly the number of items that need to be done by the end of the day. And we know what saps away those minutes very quickly. We know that you don't want to do your paperwork. We know that's the last thing you want to sit down and do. Of course, you want to go chat to the staff. Of course, you want to go eat the donuts. Of course, you want to go get another cup of coffee. You're human. Okay, so this is your human brain, just not wanting that painful experience of sitting down and getting to work. It will do anything else. That's normal. Of course, your brain wants to think in those ways. But if we can honor that thinking ahead of time, what would work best for my day, honoring it by sitting down and getting started, knowing that the 5 p.m. version of you is going to be delighted that you've already handled all those things in your inbox that you said you would do and you got to them at the time you would do them because that's going to work best for you, getting you home.
0: Yeah, making yourself sit down and do it as an investment in what it's going
1: to feel like afterwards. As an investment. Yeah, in your future evening where you're going home to sit on the couch guilt free and look after the restoration that you need for your brain. I think just thinking of like painful
0: sentences or painful thoughts that we can have as physicians, I think that arguing against the reality of the non clinical things we have to do is probably up there too. Hey, like that. I shouldn't have so many forms to do, or there shouldn't be all this lab work that I have to assess. And you know, we can argue and be frustrated at it, but who does that impact? The forms are still sitting there. <laughs> the, the lab work still is in the EMR that needs to be checked off.
1: Yeah. Like I said before, that painful experience of when I would be handed a form and my brain would literally say, there's an hour of your life gone. That's a very painful place to be. However, it was worse than that. I would take three forms home on the weekend and it would take me all weekend to do three forms. Not because the forms took all weekend, but because I would say no to this or no to the fun things of the weekend because I have forms to do. And then instead of sitting down to do the forms, I would go and you know clean the kitchen or put the laundry on so that I could avoid doing the forms. But at the same time, say no to my life because I was doing paperwork for the weekend. And so that experience right there is common for physicians. And it's such a painful place to be in that I can't have a weekend because I have three forms to do. You can just see how this is a disaster waiting to happen, right? Now, if I sat down and just got those forms done, we were looking at maybe an hour, like one hour of a whole weekend, but no, Those three forms took the entire weekend. It sucked. It truly sucked my life away.
0: Yeah, I totally remember that with uh, notes. Like I would finish and I'd have days of notes to do. So all weekend I'd be like, okay, I need to sit down and do those notes. And it would end up where I'd like have to set my alarm super early. This is when my kids were really little. Set my alarm super early to get it done. But it meant there was very little restorative time on the weekend, because the whole weekend, even if I wasn't doing those notes, I was thinking about doing them. So then Sunday night, when I maybe finally finished the notes and started to think of a Monday morning where I was going to generate more more notes, it was so overwhelming. Like, And it created anxiety and burnout and dislike of the job and resentment when patients did ask for more things like forms and things like that. And so this work that you do and what we're talking about, like, is so powerful. And and by being able to become more efficient in the office and learn skills to get notes done, really has transformed how I think about my family medicine work, which for anybody who's listening, who's in that pit of like, the job never ends. I think it's just really important to hear that there's hope.
1: Yeah, there is. You're right. So when we sit down and we start getting angry at the request that's come in on the letter or the Message or the phone call or we're angry. So what do we do when we're in that anger? So we see just a sentence that says, please repeat this in three months or Mr. Jones would like you to call him back about that MRI because he didn't understand the first message. And we just kind of have this rage or fury start. I don't know where it starts in you. I think I used to start in my toes and just kind of pop out the top of my head. So what would I do? I would get restless in my chair get super angry. I would stand up and walk across to where my colleague was working and say, you'll never guess what happened this time. Blah, 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 blah. They're in there doing their inbox too. So they're they're like the same. Yeah, I had this blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? 10 minutes is gone. There's another eight to 20 results that you could have ticked off in that time, but no, you were just being ticked off. (laughs) you also disturbed your colleague. So she now has another 20 results that she hasn't got to with that 10 minutes. And the whole thing is just adding more pain to your day. So when we see and start to see these requests of us, we start to notice what our brain wants to immediately respond with. And then we just take that moment to calm down because it's not going to hurt them. It's going to hurt you by responding in this way. And then noticing the systems and processes in your day, what does that mean? It means that when you have this request, some of the fury can be I don't know how to do that. How do I remember to remind him to do those labs in three months? And they haven't set up a way that's easy, or they remind themselves. So they put it in their own work list. So the physician puts it in the physician work list to remind the patient in three months. And at that three months, and then they send the message to the MA to tell the patient to go have the results. But what does that mean? It means that your work list is now. Increasing in size from messages from yourself. So, we're adding pain to our day, our future self, by adding this message to ourselves. Is that the only way possible? Right now, it might be the only possible solution. But part of working out this inbox is what can we take off your plate? What isn't physician work? Who else could help you with this? And how could we make that start to happen in your environment? So when we start to figure these questions out, your inbox becomes faster and faster to get out of. So we don't want you in your inbox for hours. We want you in and out as fast as possible. So anything that slows you down, it's often because there's either a system you don't trust or there isn't a system. So you're now messaging yourself for three months time, which is a terrible thing because then you've got to remember, why was I messaging myself? Who asked me to do that? What did they want me to do? And now you're backtracking in that file, digging around, trying to figure out that pathway. Even that can be cleaned up. So if you've got that request for repeat the PSA in three months, what is the message you leave for yourself right now? If you are the only person who can do that, Now the message in your work list is something that will help you in three months time. Get out of that inbox as fast as possible. So you write a PSA in three months as per urologist letter, March, 2022. That way, if you can't quite remember who asked you to do it, you can now trace yourself a lot faster or repeat ultrasound in three months, creating that requisition right now while you're looking at the ultrasound report. So all you have to do in three months is send the damn thing. You don't have to figure out which ovary was it that I was checking on, how big was it last time. Like we've paid ourselves forward by creating a faster experience next time we see that in our inbox.
0: Yeah, let's talk more about systems because I think for some people, the concept of systems might be a little foreign or new or maybe something they dread that hospitals have tried to enforce and stuff like that. So talk a little bit about like what the systems are and how can systems help physicians?
1: Yeah. So you'll notice a lot of the things you do are not physician work, like bringing the patient to tell them that their repeat PSA is due is not something that you need to do, right? Anyone can read that sentence, ring patient and tell them the PSA is due, but Physicians won't use that unless they know for sure it happened and they can trace that it happened. So a system isn't just I message my MA because the MA might leave before that message ever comes back up. So now we have to have thought about how can this be a system that protects patients that I trust? And so it isn't that we necessarily are sending it to one particular person, we might be setting it up so it goes to a list that any of the staff can use. So for instance, in our practice, we have colonoscopy list because a colonoscopy could be 10 years out when it's due next. And we want to know all the people who are due for colonoscopy this month so that we can send them all to the surgeon today. So we have one list that exists. That's just for colonoscopies, all of the staff are trained to be able to action. So if we have high staff turnover, which is common in a medical clinic, anybody knows the system. There's a very well-documented way of going through that list and then feeding back to the physician if they can't find a patient or if the patient's refused or that type of thing. So then the physicians can trust that process and they'll use it. So when you see a colonoscopy result, And it says repeat in five years, we can put it directly on that list knowing that for sure it's handled in five years, even if we're not still working there. It's a paid forward process that we trust because it's been vetted for all of the errors.
0: Yeah, I like that because I think that's a really important piece when we're in practice is making sure that if something happens or like we just choose to leave that particular practice or we get sick or something that that sort of stuff isn't just resting with us. And I think it's a big drain too. If you feel like there's a bunch of stuff that's just resting with you, mentally, that's a really big drain. So the common thing that comes up with the physicians I work with is interruptions, the frustration of, you know, trying to work, trying to be on time and getting interruptions. What do you recommend managing them?
1: Yeah, this is a great question. So running on time, It's possible. And we actually work on this over a number of weeks in the program because there's often a lot of moving parts to running on time for physicians. One of the biggest pieces is watching all the minutes and seconds of our clinical day. So what that means is if you're going to start eight minutes late, you're going to be eight minutes late. It's very hard to catch up over the course of a day, especially when you're making decisions in the room about what you will and won't see for this patient encounter. And some things, the patient will bring up a topic, could be a depression with crisis. It could be chest pain on the back end of a back pain you just dealt with, where you will want to say yes to that request of your time. And so you know that you're going to add minutes intentionally because you've triaged this problem that's needing my attention, but then there's the everything else. So some physicians have, for instance, a knock on the door, almost every encounter. And that is going to chew up a lot of your minutes because when you're in the room, You're doing very high level work. You're seeing patients, you're listening to their story, you're putting together physical exam findings, popping it through your illness script and coming up with differentials, assessments, plans. If you get interrupted in that, now you have to go back and say, where was I? What was I doing? How do I put all that back together? So you want to notice these interruptions because they are very costly to both your decision-making process and your ability to run on time. So we want to batch these decisions or we want to empower your staff to handle some of the questions that they're bringing to you, depending on what sort of questions you're getting. So I want you to first notice the interruptions. This is exactly what we're working on right this month inside charting champions. It's the interruptions that happen within that protected patient time and doing our notes directly after this patient encounter. What else happens in that time? Is it you dipping into your inbox for a few minutes? Is it somebody coming to ask you a question? Is it someone knocking on the door? These are really important to notice and start to be curious about and start to make rules or plans for those interruptions. So if the knock on the door is, hey, Mr. Jones is five minutes late. Will you still see him? What is your answer? Is it the same every time? If it is the same every time, how can you tell the staff ahead of time, hey, if Mr. Jones turns up five minutes late today, it's a yes or it's a no. We start to empower them to be able to do that on our behalf so that you don't get interrupted. Helping them understand What requires interrupting and what does not? Say bleeding, crowning, or a seizure, come get me. (laughs) Everything else is a no. (laughs) If I'm going to have a call coming through to me, I'll carry my cell phone and I won't let that go through the clinic and all of the processes and someone knocking on the door. I want them to ring me directly. So I'll have that phone on my person. That's just my way of doing it. So I know some physicians are on call but then they need to know who's calling. Is it the nurse on the floor that just wants a quick order for something? Or is it actually the person who's supposed to be calling me back or the physician that's trying to call me about a sick patient? Is there a way of setting up your phone so that you can tell the difference between the two requests? And to start to get clever about how we're running our clinical day. I want to talk about another big topic that
0: influences this. It influences the ability to say no, like, We're not going to deal with that today, but I'd be happy to see another day. It influences the ability to tell staff not to bother you is people pleasing. That urges doctors to try to keep everybody happy. Can you talk a little bit about
1: how that impacts our days? Yeah, of course. So those vibrations in your body that require external validation. So it's really nice when a patient says, oh, I love you because you always listen to me. That is so hard to overcome when you're like, I want to run on time. And in order to run on time, I have to become a new identity that doesn't spend 15 minutes just listening without interrupting and getting to the meat of the problem. And so that is a crisis of identity to start to shift towards hey, they love me anyway, even when I only spend eight minutes in the room instead of 15 minutes in the room. But that certainty starts with you. Knowing your worth, knowing that you're valuable, knowing that you love the patient and they love you, even that statement to some physicians, they're like, no, that's not true. They like me because I X, Y, Z, <laughs> right? So this is a big shift, a big mental shift for physicians to be the one who feels like you can know your worth, know that you are the boss in the room, and that you need to gather information and do your job in order to provide value to the patient. And our value is not the minutes spent talking to the patient. Our relationship with our patients is valuable. Our continuity with our patients is evidence-based valuable. Having an idea who this person is, is helpful for that helping them make decisions about their health and following your advice. So we know that relationship with our patients is valuable, but not an hour with the patient. It's not about eyeball time, like time looking at their eyeballs. Is not what's connecting you with the patient, right? It is your executive function in the room. So being able to understand what's happening for them who they are and how to help them, but it's not time-based and it's not how much of the story you've heard that's not it. But that external validation piece is so enticing and it feels like the only good part of your day for a lot of physicians. My time with the patient, I love it so much. I could spend all day there. Of course you can. They love you and they want all of your time. And they'll, <laughs> a lot of physicians will say, on the way out the door, anything else? And that is costing them minutes in every appointment because every patient has something else. So noticing the language we're using in our head and the language we're using out loud with our patients. Super helpful. But if you are having that experience where I'm delighted when patients tell me I'm doing a good job, therefore I want that every time, it's kind of that brain candy from looking after patients, start to notice that, be aware of it, and know that the other side of that gets you home on time, (laughs) but it's an identity shift to get there. We're not talking about becoming bitchy and short-tempered with our patients. That's not it. It's more about how long is this appointment? How long am I taking? Why did I stay there extra? Was it because I was looking for that brain candy from my patient? Can I look after myself and tell myself I'm doing a good job so that I can get out of there faster? Such, such important stuff. Tell everybody where they can find you. So they can go to chartingcoach.ca, and that's where you'll find the programs I have for there's a charting champions for physicians and there's smarter charting for nurse practitioners and advanced practice providers. You can also find me inside Siobhan's program because I come in as a guest coach there and we talk about charting and efficient clinical days and getting home on time and running on time and working on inboxes and all of those fun things as well. And I'm going to shout out that I just completed stress eating SOS with Siobhan and I just love the community and the challenge inside the program. We just did a 30 day challenge for losing 10 pounds. Super cool. So
0: thank you, Siobhan. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for joining. And I wanted to say, before you were going to say that too, I was going to say, I highly recommend Sarah's program. I actually got the Charting Champions. I got our whole office to do it so that as an office, we we're kind of working on the same focus and having those skills to get the notes done. Like I said, I'm not perfect. There's some days where I still have notes to catch up on the next day, but I definitely don't have those days where I have multiple days of notes to do or weekends where I'm spending notes And I generally run much more on time. So I think if what we've been talking about today is something that really resonates with you, I highly recommend checking out Sarah's Charting Champions. All right. Thank you so much for joining me, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. Delightful to be here helping your community. Awesome. That was so great. There was... So many good pieces of information that Sarah shared in that interview, I really encourage you maybe to listen to that one more than once because she packed a lot of stuff into that interview for you guys again. I highly recommend checking out Sarah and everything that she does. I think she 's amazing i 've used her program personally, and I can highly highly recommend it. I think it should be required learning for anybody in residency, very honestly. if you are enjoying this podcast and you find it helpful please consider leaving a review. Head over to wherever you're listening to the podcast, leave a review or share this episode with somebody. This is stuff that every physician needs to know. Share it on your social media, share it with a friend, get this message out so that we as physicians don't have to feel so overwhelmed in our days, in our weeks where we don't have to be spending all of our free time. I highly appreciate that. And I honestly think sharing this topic and Getting this information into the hands of more physicians helps physician wellness. Now, if you are a physician who identified with all this stuff and you're really struggling with your eating or your weight, Stress Eating SOS is the program for you. So head over to weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash SOS to get your name on the wait list, get your name on the invitation list. You'll be the first to know when the doors open as well as some fun bonuses The next group of Stress Eating SOS will be opening in mid-April. So get your name on now so that you know as soon as it opens. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. That was so great. There was so many good pieces of information that Sarah shared in that interview. I really encourage you maybe to listen to that one more than once because she packed a lot of stuff into that interview for you guys. Again, I highly recommend checking out Sarah and everything that she does. I think she's amazing. I've used her program personally, and I can highly, highly recommend it. I think it should be required learning for anybody in residency, very honestly. If you are enjoying this podcast and you find it helpful, please consider leaving a review. Head over to wherever you're listening to the podcast, leave a review, or share this episode with somebody. This is stuff that every physician needs to know. Share it on your social media, share it with a friend, get this message out so that we as physicians don't have to feel so overwhelmed in our days, in our weeks, where we don't have to be spending all of our free time. I highly appreciate that and I honestly think sharing this topic and Getting this information into the hands of more physicians helps physician wellness. Now, if you are a physician who identified with all this stuff and you're really struggling with your eating and your weight, stress eating SOS is the program for you. So head over to weight solutions for forward slash SOS to get your name on the wait list. Get your name on the invitation list. You'll get be the first to know when the doors open, as well as some fun bonuses. Uh, The next group of Stress Eating SOS will be opening in April, mid-April. So get your name on now so that you know as soon as it opens. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.